Welcome, everyone, to Unexpected Points, a little bit abbreviated uh, music version there, there at the beginning, as I was playing something earlier. Um, I guess we will review the Thursday night Panthers-Falcons showdown. Jeff Bezos getting his money's worth on Thursday night. We'll talk about that, and believe it or not, some pretty significant playoff implications from the results of that of this game. Some of the highest leverage that we've seen, actually, for the Falcons, at least when it comes to a single game and what they will do this season, which has implications also for the rest of the NFC South, specifically the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So we'll talk about that and also get into the particulars of this game, which, believe it or not, has some ramifications also in analysis on maybe how we talk about what happened in this game with um, Deontay Foreman and the running game versus the what happened the rest of the game there. I'm going to talk about Foreman a little bit here, who is going to come into my come into play as like all draft takes eventually can end up being correct. Uh, so one of my draft takes being high on him ends up being correct. And also a example of a Achilles tear guy coming back and eventually being successful. So we'll talk about that. Um, maybe what we're going to do with Marcus Mariota now, Desmond Ritter for the Falcons. I think that's an interesting question for them going forward. Then we'll get into the Jeff Saturday press conference. I want to get into that a little bit and some of his talk on analytics there before rolling into the best bets of the weekend. I might also have some stick to sports stuff at the end that I can rant about some non football related stuff because it's Friday. Why not? Why not get a good little rant in at the end of the week for everyone that's driving me insane on social media. But first, first things first, no more video clips. For those watching on YouTube, at least in for, for a time period here, just got the audio clips here. Um, but let's talk about the Panthers dealing with the Falcons at home. To the outside with room and into the end zone. Touchdown. Broke away from Evans. So Deontay Foreman, in he goes. 12 yards, 83 on the night. And back to a two-possession lead. Yeah, at that point, as Al Michaels mentioned here, that was the Panthers going up by a couple of scores, essentially putting the game out of reach at that point. People are always a little bit surprised by how high the win probabilities are, even within a two-score game when there's a decent amount of chunk of time left. But you just need everything to go right to come back at that point. And Deontay Foreman was the story of the game. 31 carries, 130 yards, and a touchdown. But, and we'll get into some of this in more detail, if you break down all the different rushing value from a better advanced stats metric, maybe not as impressive as you would have thought. And that's what leans to, I'm going to point elsewhere for what is the true driving factor coming through in the results here, the true number of the game. And that's going to be, 38.5, a little obscure, I know, 38.5. So as the quick pressure rate on Marcus Mariota, so when he faced pressure, when he's dropping back, almost 40% of the time he was facing pressure in less than 2.5 seconds. P.J. Walker, who 
Didn't drop back a whole lot. Only about a 30% drop back rate in this game, but only 10.5% of the time that he was facing those quick pressures. So Marcus Mariota was under pressure quickly a lot of the time here. Five sacks in this game. And if you look at the time to pressure in those for those sacks, one of them was 2.1 seconds. So it was over two seconds is time to pressure. The rest of them, 1.6, 1.6, 1.8, 1.9. So very fast. They were getting to Mariota very quickly, causing sacks, causing four turnover-worthy plays. So both he and Walker were grading in the 30s for this game. So it wasn't about that, clearly. It wasn't about the quarterback play here, which what separated them. And Mariota, bad numbers in this game. We'll see now with a 10-day window whether or not they turn to Desmond Ridder going forward. I'll talk about that. Uh, in a little bit Um, let's get to the particulars for the game here so the Falcons were two and a half point favorites final score 25 15 Panthers adjusted score 20 to 17 so a little bit closer now the explosive plays really went in favor of the Panthers in this one you had the biggest play of the game which gets classified as a rushing play because it was a swing pass out to LaVisca Chenault. Technically, it was a backwards pass. It was a 4.5 expected points added. Again, biggest play of the game, classified as a run, 41 yards, a swing pass touchdown there. So that was a big one there. Um, There was also the sacks, which were highly negative. The interception, which was highly negative for the Falcons, which brings it together a little bit. And the success rate actually wasn't that great for the Panthers offense versus what we saw for the Falcons. It was pretty similar, honestly, and the internals in this game were pretty similar. And PJ Walker also had two turnover worthy plays, two dropped interceptions and we would classify as dropped interceptions. Um, So we didn't have that negative there. Whereas Mariota did have a negative for his. And let's talk about Foreman a little bit more here. I mentioned how he had these great, counting stats great fantasy football stats in here but a 39 percent success rate so that's the percentage of the time that he was adding positive expected points on his rushes is pretty low I mean that would be very 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 poor for a passing attack for a drop back passing attack somewhat poor the Panthers in total and Foreman did not generate positive expected points added outside of that LaVisca Chenault swing pass which was classified as a run they just don't have much upside in these plays and that's what you know the whole rushing versus passing debate you got to give yourself chances to have big plays because you'd be you'd be surprised how often big plays end up swinging some of these games in your favor and with certain rushing attacks maybe the browns would be one of them maybe the jets with Brees hall before and others you do give yourself the chance to have some explosive plays which can make a huge difference if you can't generate those explosive plays through the air, but in this particular game, um, there just wasn't a lot there. The biggest play that Foreman had in this game from an expected points added standpoint. And a lot of this is just being near the goal line. You can add a lot of expected points in that situation was 1.9 expected points added on the 12 yard touchdown run that we heard the audio for on first and 10. Nothing else was close. Again, 1.9 there for his biggest play versus the biggest play of the game was 4.5. So it was more than two times that. There were plenty of plays that were more than two times that. None of Foreman's runs were in the top 10 value added in expected points. None of them were in the top 10 in win probability added in this game. 
though he did help them salt this game, you know, put it on ice basically at the end and by carrying the ball, you know, getting an additional 50 yards after they already had about an 85% win probability in the second half. Is it Ritter time? Are we going to get Ritter time in this game? Because the Falcons drop back a decent amount. This is a huge drop back game for Marcus Mariota. 37 dropbacks, 30 passing attempts, which is a lot for Mariota, but 6.2 yards per pass attempt, only 186 yards total. We did get a couple touchdowns in this one. Uh, fantasy football people will love the fact that one of those touchdowns goes to Kadero Hodge. Um, but, you know, you can't even get 200 yards in a game that you're trailing most of the time here. And I know they want to establish the run. They were about 12% under expectation you would have expected them to, in their pass rate there, you would expect them to drop back even more. But, of course, this is what Arthur Smith does here. Um, still ran the ball 25 times for 138 yards. They're never going to really turn it over there. But the turnover-worthy plays for Mariota, the lack of explosion there, the sacks that we saw, the downside here. Yeah, this could put Mariota out and Ritter in. And prior to this, I probably would have been against that because the Falcons had at least some chance to make the playoffs. I know a lot of the nerds and analytics types and others will say, you know, be, you know number bot here. You forget about making the playoffs this year. Just only worry about the future. Tank, collect picks, push it forward over and over and over again. Super Bowl is all that matters. But, hey, this is second year for Arthur Smith. Second year for... Um, Terry Fontenot there in the front office. You can only push things back for so long. And they had a real chance of making the playoffs going into this game. That's why this was such a huge loss for them. Going into this game, we had them at a 35% chance to make the playoffs. We had them at a 26% chance to win the division. Now they're down. Their playoff odds were cut in half in this game. So it's down to 18%. Their division odds were more than cut in half, down to 12%. So now you start to look at this decision with Mariota, who hasn't been bad this year. I think maybe he's similar to, I don't know if it's Garoppolo, but similar to one of these players where I think optically he misses passes sometimes. He's not the most accurate. He can make some boneheaded type of plays, but then he also does good things when he has the ball, and specifically his ability to scramble and to gain yards on the ground. I mean, in this game alone, he had five EPA that he gained via scrambles uh, in this game. If you look at the season, you know, he's top 10 in EPA gained scrambling. He is sixth in EPA gained on design runs. He has positive EPA this, this season. Believe it or not, he is in the 10th. He's 10th amongst quarterbacks in EPA per play this year. Marcus Mariota. So with numbers like that, I mean, he's 16th in grading, so he's a bit lower, but still, we're talking about league average. So with numbers like that, it would have been somewhat difficult when you had a 35 40% chance of making the playoffs to say that we're going to move away from him. Now, those playoff odds are cut in half. Again, you have the 10-day window. I think they will probably turn. For Desmond Ritter going forward, but I don't know if that means they're going to open up the passing game here because they're unwilling to pass it with the veteran Mariota. Why would they be willing to pass it even more with the third round rookie Desmond Ritter? 
We'll see. I mean, Ritter, Ritter looked good in the preseason. He had the best grading of the rookie quarterbacks in the preseason. He looked pretty solid there. So, again, that might be something that pushes them forward to using him a bit more coming out of the mini-buy for Thursday night football. So the other flip side of the playoff chances for the Falcons going way down is the playoff chances going up for some other teams, specifically the Bucks. The Bucks are 74% chance to make the playoffs, according to our numbers. Their division odds went up by 10% in this one, 71% to win the division. So for all the hand-wringing about the Bucks, for all the struggles that they've had this year, which are significant, if you place them up against the other, let's say, marquee type of NFC franchises who are struggling this year, the Rams and the Packers is the other two. If you put them up against them, they're in a whole different category as far as how they position themselves, mostly because of the luck of what the division that they're in. Um, so how, they've, how they're positioned right now to make the playoffs. The Bucks again, 74% chance to make the playoffs. The Rams, 27%. Pretty low. The Packers, 13% because of how difficult it's going to be to secure a wild card spot or be able to catch up to the uh, Vikings, right? Um, if we look at the chances to win the division, again, Bucks, 71%. Rams, only 8%. Packers, 2%. Vastly different circumstances for these three teams, which means that the Bucks are at least alive in a chance to right the ship, get things going, have a chance in the playoffs to do something where, you know, you never know what can happen in these different playoff matchups. Much, much more difficult road uh, for the Rams and the Packers, other teams that people were hoping or expecting would be able to turn around this year. Uh, one more thing on Deontay Foreman. I give myself some credit here and this falls into the category of draft takes never die draft takes never die you on a long enough timeline your take will eventually be correct and that is in 2017 when foreman came out before he tore his achilles all that stuff he was a third round pick in that draft i had his numbers from a pure number basis not looking at draft capital at all i had his numbers of actually being the best in the class in terms of a success model. I did a logistic regression type of model where it will look at prior running backs, their different statistical categories, whether or not they were success according to fantasy football, which was hitting a certain marker of top 12 weekly finishes within their first three seasons. And Foreman ended up being the number one guy, according to that model in a class that had, again, this is not accounting for draft position in a class that had, Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, all those guys in that class. All of them had very good numbers, according to my success prediction model, but really liked for Foreman the fact that he was 233 pounds. He ran a 4.4840 at his pro day. He averaged 184 rushing yards per game. Um, the one downside for him was 0.6 receptions, which you never really know how much of that is about the player, how much of that is about the scheme. So maybe it's not as important there. So lucky for me, hey, I actually had some people reach out to me and say, hey, good, you know, good call on Deontay Foreman. I'm like, dude, I can't really take credit for a 2017 draft take uh, in the year 2022 for a player finally breaking out needed to happen by someone being traded away. 
uh, in order to give them that that sort of chance. But this model is an interesting model. Maybe I should re re up it again. I have some other models are going on now. I'm even looking back to 2016. It had Derrick Henry above Ezekiel Elliott again, draft agnostic on here, um, which I think you know you could probably argue. Derrick Henry, you'd rather have Derrick Henry than Ezekiel Elliott in that draft, despite the fact that he went uh, a year later. And again, it was something that de-emphasized some of the receiving production there that uh, Elliott did have as part of this. Okay, let's get on to the second part of the show today. We're going to talk a little bit about the Jeff Saturday press conference. I know maybe I was hammering a little bit too much on some of this stuff with the Colts before, but I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed going through the Colts press conference clips. I enjoyed the making the sausage clips that we had for the Colts press conference. Well, the next day I did not have a chance to review the Colts Jeff Saturday's first press availability as the head coach. Um, after he had, you know, got into the sausage factory a little bit there, figured out how things are being made a bit and talking to the press wasn't a whole lot coming from this. You know, he's like, I'm talking to different people. Here's how I decided upon who's going to be the play caller here is a very, very young guy. Um, talking, you know, he just, he's just learning and, and, and getting to know things. But he was asked specifically about fourth down aggressiveness, fourth and one type of aggressiveness. And um, this is what he had to say about it. Yeah, that's my decision. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, listen, I'm an I'm a O-line member. I work awfully hard to get points. I'm going to take points. I'm not, I, you know, I am not a, I am not a, uh, it's a hard, it's a hard living. You know, it's a hard living in there, man. So we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. It's, it, it's, it's, uh, they have, you know, I have two guys I'm going to be working with in the box from the analytics side. We have not had a chance to meet, but looking. So, so here's the first thing here. Let me just stop it here. So he was like, again, he was asked, are you going to be making these decisions? The fourth and one decision He's like, yeah, I'm going to make the decisions and we're going to take the points. We're going to take the points. And which harkens back to Jim Irsay talking about coaches fearing and, and relying upon analytics. Now, he does talk about the fact that he's going to be talking to a couple of analytics people there. And the, the analytics guys for the Colts have been featured before. Um, I think there's an athletic article on them and the two guys here, John Park and George Lye are the two different guys there. John Park is the director of football research. George Lye is the senior football strategy analyst game management. So he's more of the game management side. So it's probably George. He's dealing with more than anything else. They were a big part of the Colts and their success when they started going for it a lot more for a few years. And those are the guys he's talked to. So, But the part that concerns me about this clip, and you never know sometimes from these guys when they're talking, you never know whether it's it's just talk. It's just media talk. Mike McDaniel sounded pretty bad during the offseason in his interviews, and then he's been really good as far as his fourth down decisions here. So maybe it's just talk, but he did already say this is what we're going to do before he'd even talk to some of the guys in the analytics staff, which can be a bit concerning. Okay, let's just hear the rest of the answer here forward to getting with these guys and um, the good thing for me is I get to watch a lot of football and criticize a lot of coaches so I know I'm going to get that same criticism <laughs> again part of the gig right part of the gig yeah so not a whole much a lot there to, to add in here but what I thought was interesting is looking at the timeline for how the Colts had 
been and go for it situations. I mentioned on the last pod that their success rate had gone from 60 something percent last year, top six in the NFL to second worst this year, as far as converting only on a 20% of the time. But I thought maybe they were still a team that was strong and going for it, but it's not the case this season. If we look at situations where you could gain 1% probability, according to Ben Baldwin's bot here, his fourth down bot, if you could gain 1% probability, whether or not you go for it in those situations, the Colts were going for it less than 20% of the time, about 17% of the time. They were going for it in situations where they could gain 1% or more in win probability. Second lowest rate in the NFL this season. Whereas in 2021, they were the highest. They were number one in the NFL going for in those situations, up around 65%. The year before in 2020, they were almost number one. They were number two, looks like behind the Browns at going for about 60%. In 2019, they were in the upper third of teams. And they were pretty average in 2017 and 2018. So it was really 2020 and 2021 where they put, you know, they cranked the win probability gain on those situations, maybe because of confidence in the running game. I'm not sure why. They were doing it and they were successful. So this season, I know Irsay seems to be blaming a lot of analytics. Saturday seems to be against analytics, but they weren't even trying to do it that often. Yes, they weren't successful, but they already were not doing that often. So I don't know what happened with Frank Reich as far as that's concerned, but it seems like that had already gotten in their head that we don't have a successful offense, so we're just not going to go for it in these in these circumstances. Clearly, hasn't really worked for them so far, and you know, relying too much upon saying we're a bad offense and we're never going to go for it. Sure, you can change the conversion probabilities. You can adjust them slightly, but it's not like one team, no matter how bad the offense is, is sustainably going to have a 20% conversion rate versus another team is going to have an 80% conversion rate. That's just not how the NFL works. Teams are better. Teams have a materially higher chance of converting than others, but it's not going to be 4X, 3X. In most circumstances, it's not even going to be 2X, what we're talking about for another team. Things are much, much closer than that. And you know, hopefully it's something where George and John can talk to uh, Jeff Saturday and get some of that fixed up going forward so he actually ends up going for it in some circumstances all right let's pay some bills before we get to the best bets of the week first DraftKings, the official sports betting partner of the nfl unbeatable offers right now any five dollar bet get two hundred dollars in free bets if your team wins everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays you can throw down on stepped up same game parlays once per game day all season long Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Just place a $5 bet on any football game only at DraftKings Sportsbook using code PFF. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And also, Western and Southern is a sponsor of the Unexpected Points podcast. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow, Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernandsouthern.com slash PFF. All right, let's get into the best bets. Again, recreational purposes only here. 
It's a combination of the PFF power ranking, um, which has a expected point differential against an average team on a neutral field calculated there. Combine that with my adjusted scores based power rankings, which looks at the adjusted scores that teams have had so far this year adjusted. And then I make an additional adjustment there for strength of schedule to come up with a similar type of number against an average team on a neutral field. How well would you expect that team to do? I combine those two together, leaning a little bit more heavily on the PFF number. I make adjustments for quarterbacks who have been come and gone. I make adjustments for coming off of a bye week. I make adjustments for Monday night football. I make adjustments for uh, travel and weather circumstances and a lot of these things. Lots of different adjustments go that go into this thing here. And then I come up with a number. And that number is what I would assume the point spread would be. And then I compare it to the actual line and boom, bing. That's the way it goes. Okay, first off, we're going to talk Pittsburgh Steelers, who I believe I've recommended before, successfully before, um, as they've been able to keep it close in some of these games where they've had huge, huge point spreads. Uh, They're a one and a half point dog to the New Orleans Saints at home. So what factors in here, they're coming off of a bye. That factors in. Uh, The Saints are coming off of Monday Night Football. That factors in a little bit here. Um, and just generally, if you look at the strength of these two particular teams, the Steelers have been bad, no doubt about it. The Steelers have been bad, but they've really just had an extreme lack of explosive plays so far this year. And that's really been a big part of it. Now to be a home dog in the circumstances where they have all this peripheral stuff around them, we'll see going forward. And I think there's also a lack of confidence in my numbers for the type of success we've seen from Annie Dalton so far this year where they've had a success rate for him has been, you know, about 12th best in the NFL. We're not really expecting that going forward. And there's also a little bit of modeled success for a rookie quarterback to get a bit better the rest of the season. And turnovers have just absolutely killed them so far this season. Um, And that could probably flip around so far uh, for them going forward. So that's going to be the play here. Again, nobody likes it. It's a little bit of a, you know, hold your nose and hope it wins uh, sort of situation here. But I have Pittsburgh as being more of a three-point favorite at home versus the Saints as opposed to being a one-and-a-half-point underdog. Uh, Number two, our New York Giants, another team coming off of a bye at home against the Houston Texans. Five-point favorites. I have this line being more like eight or nine points is where it should be here. Um, I mean, Texans' worst team in the NFL according to my numbers, according to a lot of different numbers out there, I think according to the betting markets right now, but we still have this being a little bit more significant than we're going to see. A lot of guys are going to get healthy also for the Giants in this one, including Daniel Jones, who had been hampered a few weeks coming off of the bye. Um, Next one here, Cleveland Browns. My numbers always love the Cleveland Browns. They are the adjusted score kings. Um, I think the only one time now that they've had a loss according to the adjusted scores where they're winning every single week, but then they can't get any W's in the real actual scores uh, this year. They're three and a half point dogs at the uh, Miami Dolphins. Another team coming off of a buy here for the Browns, which I hopefully they can get things fixed up because of that. It's just the three and a half is a bit too much. I have this being more like an equal score equal team here the browns just have good numbers i mean the browns have been a top 10 offense i know their defense wasn't bad but they've been a top 10 offense by the numbers in miami even when you make adjustments for tua not being there they weren't that bad from a success rate standpoint when they had skylar thompson 
and Teddy Bridgewater. They've had some offensive explosions. If you look at the games against the Ravens and the Bears, who are not really bringing a whole lot defensively, but they've also struggled quite a bit in some other games that they've had um, for their uh, offensively, including the Steelers game. That was just a, a week before that. So for all those different reasons, this is more of an even matchup. So the Browns getting three and a half points. This might be my favorite one of the entire week. And then last, and I don't know, it's starting to get a little thin here. The margins that we're talking about for, um, for different teams. But lastly is the LA Rams, who everyone hates. They probably everyone should hate them. Against the Arizona Cardinals, they're one and a half point favorites. I have this one being more like four, four and a half as an appropriate line between this two. Cardinals offense is just broken. And I know the Rams offense has been pretty broken too, but the Cardinals have not been getting a lot of pressure. They're one of the lowest pressure rate teams in the NFL right now. That's going to make a huge difference for Matthew Stafford in this game. And uh, hopefully a passing offense that can get going a little bit more. They started to lean a little bit more into the pass in recent weeks, so they continue to do so. It should give them some additional juice. I know no one has faith in either one of these teams right now, but still, I'm going to lean towards the Rams at home against the Cardinals. Again, one and a half should be more like four, four and a half on this one. All right, everybody. Pretty abbreviated version this week of the Thursday night wrap-up with, you know, not the most interesting game here. I will be back on Monday to go over all of the week 10 action, especially focusing on the different playoff probabilities that are coming through and making changes. And of course, you know, talking about the justice scores, everything else there too. If you enjoy what you're listening to here, go ahead, rate and review the pod, leave comments on here. I'll also try to do some more mailbag type of stuff going forward. So first priority comes to any comments left in Apple reviews there. If you leave a mailbag question there, otherwise, Comments on YouTube, go ahead and hit me up on Twitter at Kevin Cole PFF. Otherwise, everyone, enjoy um, Veterans Day. I don't know what you say. You don't say Happy Veterans Day, I guess. Enjoy, enjoy the holiday. Enjoy your weekend. And I'll be talking to you on Monday. Thanks so much, everybody.